Welcome to Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill, the podcast outreach of AKS Firearms Instruction, addressing the essential needs of the whole shooter. Your host, Tom Bushy, addresses tips, tactics, and tantamount Second Amendment issues of the week. Class is now in session. Welcome, everyone. This is Episode 8 of Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill, the podcast outreach of AKS Firearms Instruction. So happy to uh, be back with you again. Had a great weekend. Talked to you a little bit about that. We're going to review the week of February 9th and Valentine's Day weekend as well. It was during Valentine's Day weekend, which... Well, I still consider it Valentine's Day weekend because I'm recording this podcast on uh, Monday, which is uh, President's Day, enjoying uh, an extra day off of work, which is always especially nice. But uh, over the weekend, I enjoyed some off-grid time with good old friends in Lycoming County, Pennsylvania. Now, when I talk old friends, I'm talking people that I have known and been relating with on a regular basis for over 30 years and uh we had we did two three well three things we did three things we ate we made sure that we ate and we talked and we walked now saturday morning when i woke up it was zero degrees up there but uh, we still actually went for a walk on that day as well it it warmed up way into the 20 degree range a little bit later and uh, that made for some nice walking time snow covered mountains it was it was great we were just downstream of the pine creek from the grand canyon of pennsylvania really beautiful stuff as part of that great expanse of pennsylvania known as pennsylvania also known as flyover country by governor wolf and pittsburgh and philadelphia politicians this area of the state is 2A all the way. Never have I felt more at home carrying my firearm uh, than when I was walking around or driving around that area, going to uh, buy essentials in good old-fashioned Norman Rockwell general stores. It was, it was a great time. I really appreciate the friends that made that available. So while we were out, stuff happened. So let's get right to it, and I want to mention the most recent thing that happened, and that is a little V for Victory and V for Virginia. We don't get a whole lot of good news coming out of Virginia, but just in today, the expansive gun ban bill, gun ban bill, oh heavens to Betsy, uh, it's early for this, the expansive gun ban bill in Virginia, known as HB 961, is dead, or dead-ish, anyway. 961 has been working its way through the Virginia legislature for quite some time. We've been warning about it and going over the details. Uh, it was it was billed as an assault weapons ban, and it would make illegal many guns that are currently legal and owned and in common use throughout the state and indeed throughout the country including but in no way limited to the AR-15 and the AK-47, two very popular semi-automatic rifles. Surely the revived grassroots pro-Second Amendment movement in Virginia has had an influence after the showing of, what was it, 22,000 peaceful demonstrators that flooded the city of Richmond, the capital of Virginia, not to mention 
all those two-way people that showed up at the the county meetings where they uh, urged their counties to become Second Amendment sanctuary counties and cities for those cities that weren't part of counties. And uh, that that's exciting. It's exciting to see the voices getting raised and seeing results actually happen. Uh, really, we need to because we we get on the Democrats a lot here because they they seem to be the party of uh, gun banning and gun control. But this bill would not have been able to be voted down without the votes from four Democrat senators that broke from the party and made this whole victory a reality. So that's exciting stuff. And uh, let that be an encouragement to you not to sit back and relax, but to be all the more vigorous in raising your voice and uh, making your presence known because it can make a difference. And just as the absence of that before the November election in Virginia, the absence made a difference as well. When people stayed home and, and didn't vote, uh, the other side just ran away with things and was given power in the legislature and the executive branch. So this is encouraging, but we must remember prolonged vigilance is critical as this bill has merely been tabled for a period of one year just tabled it's going to come back and it'll have to be voted on again hopefully by that time next year there will be uh, a majority a clear majority in both the house and the senate that would oppose such radical tyrannical gun grabbing agendas so a little moment for a hooray and then okay back to work for all the 2a people in virginia and all of us people across the country this kind of radicalism that has been going on in Virginia has been spreading like wildfire to states all over the nation. And everyone, including my beloved state of Pennsylvania, is experiencing a renewed effort to infringe, if not outright eliminate, the Second Amendment. And if you think that language is too hard, uh, you, you have your head in the sand. There are forces out there that would love nothing better than to see the Second Amendment all out repealed and uh, it would be gone. So we don't want to see that happen. This is great. Go Virginia and let's act more like Virginia has been acting since, say, December or so. Good stuff. All right. Well, there are um, problems and there are solutions and then there are solutions that can become problems. And uh, I'm referring to a news story in my area where there was a negligent discharge of a gun causing minor injury to two individuals. Uh, you know what negligent discharge means. Negligent discharge means that someone uh, fired a weapon when they weren't supposed to and weren't intending to. And we don't call them accidental discharges. We call them negligent because these discharges don't happen if you are exercising due diligence as a responsible gun owner, gun operator. So negligent discharge causing minor injuries to two individuals. That's maybe not all that newsworthy except for the context. The context is this negligent discharge happened in a security office in a house of worship in a Christian church. Now, the story that I read was not 
uh, generous with details, although there was an update that I read just the morning of the recording of this podcast that gave a little more detail. But apparently, the fired round hit the floor and fragments of the bullet and fragments of the floor where the bullet struck, uh, struck two individuals on the team, thus causing the minor injuries. So there were five people uh, that were part of this church's volunteer security team that were in the security office, and this did happen during services at this church. So I don't want to pretend, please hear me, I don't want to pretend like I understand exactly what went on. But there are questions that come up when we hear this story, and when I hear this story, that uh, bear being answered, and just the questions themselves, I think, make important points. Question number one, why was that gun out of its holster? Carry guns should be locked in a safe or secured in your holster. That's it, period. The only time they come out of the holster is either to put them in the safe or if unfortunately you're in a crisis situation and you need to draw that weapon in order to defend your life or the life of somebody in your immediate presence. That's it. No such circumstances were reported in this news story so we can assume that no such circumstances existed. So why was that gun out? Another question. Why were there five security team members in the office during services? Five security team members in the security office during services. Shouldn't they have been dispersed strategically inside and outside the building to protect uh, the worshipers? Maybe there were. I don't know. It is, it is a large church, and I don't know how large their security team is. But I will, I will share with you what the impression is. And, of course, I would never mention the name of this church because these are all just questions and uh, subjective um, impressions. So I don't want to cast any direct judgment on the church where this happened. But the impression that I get from the story is the security team uh, was being, used at, being viewed as some sort of a gun club like an inner circle of, you know, we're the, we're the gun guys, we're the gun guys and girls, and uh, we have these guns, we have this unique interest, and this is our little club. And following that, perhaps the security office was being viewed as a clubhouse. Five of them kind of gathering in there, chatting back and forth, hey, you show me yours, I'll show you mine, and then guns are passed around, loaded, when they should have been in their holsters, to one another and then the negligent discharge goes off when you know perhaps handing the gun to someone else hey can i see that yeah sure here boom the good news is no one was being muzzled at the time of the discharge no one was hit directly by the bullet but simply by fragments after impact with the floor that's good apparently they weren't muzzling anyone else so that's that's a good thing that they were following that very basic safety rule very good indeed but these are impressions and questions that I have that I think we can all think about, not so that we can condemn that particular situation, because we don't know all the details, but certainly something that we should be thinking about and considering 
uh, as we in the 2A community, the gun-carrying community, uh, go throughout our, our days carrying our guns and meeting up with other people who are carrying guns, when, when is it show-and-tell time, and how is show-and-tell time uh, conducted, and where is it appropriate to show-and-tell? Yeah, those are those are important questions, and I think the answers are obvious. It's never show-and-tell time unless you're in the privacy of your own home or your own barn or gun shop, in which case, when that gun comes out of the holster, the first thing that happens is you drop the mag, you clear the chamber, you lock the slide back, you look in the chamber, you look through the mag well, and verify that there is no ammunition in that gun, and then you show someone else, chamber, Magwell, they verify that it is empty, cleared, and then pass it around and talk about your guns. That's that's a great time in the proper time, in the proper place, and in the proper manner. Securing your guns is a big deal. Speaking of securing guns, the Great American Outdoor Show was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania um, recently. Was it last week? Or the week before? I'm starting to lose track of my time. Um, one of the uh, responsibilities of gun owners, all gun owners, is to make sure that your gun is inaccessible to unauthorized individuals. And at the gun show, I saw an innovative way to keep your gun uh, secured from access by unauthorized individuals. Who are unauthorized individuals, you may ask? Well, if you've taken a course with AKS, with my outfit, you would already know that unauthorized individuals are everyone but you, you're the only one who should have access to your firearms. Well, this is this is easy for sports shooters, target shooters, hunters. You know, you have a gun safe, you stick it in the gun safe, you turn the big wheel, and it's locked and secured from anyone who doesn't know the combination. That's great. But if you have a gun for home defense, then you have a little additional uh, problem that you have to overcome. And that is, you have to walk a fine line between security and accessibility. If you're going to be using your gun for home defense, you certainly don't want to be sleeping with your gun under your pillow. Bad idea. But you want to be able to uh, jump out of bed, get access to your loaded gun, and then meet any intruder that may be coming to do harm to you or your family uh, in, in very little time. In very little time. That's the accessibility component. Biometric safes have always been, uh, in my opinion, probably the best option. And the biometric safe is the safe where it can register a fingerprint or several fingerprints. Uh, you can swipe your thumb or your fingers on this little scanner thing. And then the uh, little computer inside says, oh yeah, I know that guy. Unlocks the safe, the, the safe door pops open and you can grab your gun. Okay, good. Um, it's a good solution for security and accessibility. One of, the, one of the drawbacks, of course, is if you're sweaty, uh, those scanners can be difficult. And that, that doesn't really change with the solution that I'm going to mention to you here in, in just a second. Uh, so it's biometric saves, good. I saw a product, getting back to what I was saying about the Great American Outdoor Show, I saw a product there called the Reach Holster Safe. The Reach holster safe by a company called Vera Safety. I originally saw that on, um, I think it was Instagram from the Well-Armed Woman site there. 
Yes, I follow the well-armed woman site. There's for a few reasons. No shame. One reason is they post really good information. Another is, as a firearms instructor, I teach women as well as men. So to keep uh, connected with the female perspective and female products in there, yeah, I follow the well-armed woman site. No shame in that. It's a, it's a very good site. So anyway, this Reach Holster Safe uh, looks like a holster. So the top end of your gun, the handle of your gun is exposed. Of course, the trigger guard is, is concealed within the holster. But there's a, a Kydex a Kydex holster that holds the gun, but it is locked by a safe that kind of holds on to the bottom part of the holster. So when you thrust your hand down, maybe it's on the side of your bed, you can thrust your hand down in such a way that your thumb is going to hit the print reader while you are grasping the handle. And as soon as the, the safe recognizes your thumb, it releases your gun and you can pull it out and you have it with your proper grip all ready to go. Okay, so with the traditional biometric safe, you swipe your fingerprint, you wait for the door to open, and you grab your gun. With the safety holster, uh, or the holster safe, you already have your hand on the gun while you wait, which is just a, a split second, for the, uh, the safe to release it in your hand and you're good to go. It's just a little bit quicker, and it does not take much save time at all to give you a better advantage so i went there i tried it they had it in demonstration mode there at the uh, vera safe uh vera safety booth at the great outdoor show and uh the demonstration mode basically accepts anybody's thumbprint so i was able to actually try it out and just the first two or three times i was able to see how advantageous this would be as you continue to practice that over and over again i'm sure it could get even faster so i thought it was a great product i wanted to share it with you i did post it on the aks firearms instruction facebook page uh, there's a picture there and i think i have a web address also where you can go for it it's about 300 dollars, but i think it is a a really good solution for maintaining that balance between accessibility and security of your firearm that you use for home defense so Go check it out, take a look, and uh, you know, let me know if you actually buy one. I, that'd be really cool. I'm I'm tempted to buy one myself. All right. Well, this is this is technology. Technology continues to evolve as you go through the future. The future is full of cooler and cooler things and problems to solve. But sometimes, things from the past come back and bite you. Things from the past, like say. Michael Bloomberg's past. Things keep coming up from Michael Bloomberg's past that are making it kind of tricky for him to convince people that it would be a good idea to vote for him for president. Now, you may or may not know, probably you do know, Michael Bloomberg is a multi-billionaire. I mean, he, he dwarfs Donald Trump's fortunes, and he has decided that he is going to pay all of his own money for all of his campaign to win, secure the presidency of the United States. So with no uh, no dependency on fundraising and things like that, he's thinking that he can really let loose with his own, his own convictions, which, hey, convictions are good, except for his. 
don't like his at all. Here's what I'm getting at. Michael Bloomberg, presidential candidate in the Democrat primary, is uh, trying very much to gain the, uh, gain the nomination from the Democrat Party. Mayor Mike, I call him Mayor Mike because he was the uh, mayor of New York City for actually several years. And when he was the mayor, he was a proponent of the stop and frisk policy of the New York City Police Department. Stop and frisk is where the police would uh, come up to individuals, uh, particularly in certain high crime areas, and uh, be able to stop them, ask them a few questions, and pat them down to see if they had any uh, illegal contraband on them. And uh, the, the implementation of stop and frisk, which was continued by Mayor Giuliani, right? <laughs> okay, my timeline all of a sudden got mixed up. I'm not sure if he was immediately after Giuliani or immediately before, but I I am positive as I tell you that he was a proponent, a definite proponent of stop and frisk. In fact, after his conclusion of of being mayor, I think Mayor Mayor Mike, now that I'm thinking about it, was mayor after Mayor Giuliani, because I remember 2001 uh, with the horrible attacks on the World Trade Center. That was right at the very end of Mayor Giuliani's uh, term as mayor. And then Mike Bloomberg came up, and I think he was mayor till 2012. Okay, just for the record, I think that's pretty darn close to accurate. So Mayor Mike's into this stop and frisk policy. And as recently as 2015, he was standing firm on his support for stop and frisk. This was after his term as mayor, um, and uh, he, he was holding fast that this this was a good thing, and it did have uh, a great great effect on the reduction of crime in New York City. So Mayor Mike, once he became a candidate for president, formally and publicly apologized for stop and frisk. He said that he now realizes that the practice disproportionately targeted black and Latino communities. That's a quote from Mayor Mike. So he's backing away from the stop and frisk. He's apologizing. Why? Because he saw that it was politically unpopular for the, uh, the liberal Democrat base, which is really who chooses the Democrat nomination for president. Usually it's the more radical elements kind of a problem in the uh, primary process because then in the general he's got to look less liberal in order to have a prayer for being uh, for being elected in the general election but in 2015 uh, while Bloomberg was still standing firm behind stop and frisk he also was putting forth another idea which he has not yet apologized for I think because he thinks if he can ignore it, it will go away. And that policy is, believe it or not, disarming minorities. While speaking about the murder rate being caused by mostly black males under 25 years of age, Mayor Mayor Mike told the Aspen Institute that, quote, cities need to get guns out of this group's hands and keep them alive. So here... Mayor Mike is trying to uh, put forth the idea that it would be a good idea to disarm young black men. I tell that to Maj Touré. So apparently we can reduce murders by taking away the civil rights from blacks. Simple, right? Well, do you think you're going to hear Mayor Mike back away from this idea as well as stop and frisk? 
he may be forced to somehow address it. I don't think you're ever going to hear Mayor Mike back away from any concept, any notion of taking guns away from anybody. So that would be very difficult for him to try and distance himself from. Much of his candidacy candidacy is about gun control, gun confiscation, and and radical forms of it. So that that little quote from Mayor Mike Bloomberg came to my attention through Maj Touré. Now, if you don't know Maj Touré, I, I make mention of him on my Facebook page and sometimes in these podcasts. Very interesting individual. Uh, a staunch libertarian, a staunch Second Amendment advocate, as he calls himself a melanated being, which means his skin is on the darker side. He's a black man, black, brown. The the melanin pigments is what makes darker people darker. So he refers to them as melanated beings. I, I'm pretty sure that's his own little, uh, own little phrase that he coined. He has been dedicated to training and arming minorities in the hood, for their own protection so that the law-abiding citizens in the hood would be armed and trained and prepared to uh, defend themselves from the rampant crime in their neighborhood. Guess what would happen? You arm enough innocent citizens and you're going to see crime go down. That's my own personal prediction based on data. Maj is known, in fact, he's often seen wearing shirts. He's known for saying all gun control is racist. All gun control is racist. That's that's really radical. That's a really bold statement. And what he is, uh, what he is, where he's coming from, is that the origins of gun control in the United States began with racism. Uh, there were there was a a code set forth in southern states called black codes. Uh, and that was immediately after the Civil War, and they were enacted to restrict the freedom of ex-slaves. The purpose of the code was to regain control over the freed slave, inhibit the freedom of the freed slaves, prevent black uprisings, ensure the continued supply of cheap labor, maintain segregation, maintain white supremacy. That's what the black codes were intended to uh, to do. That was their function. That was their objective. Now, they did this, by enforcing uh, blacks needing to get permission to travel, enforcing segregation, having different laws and punishments for blacks, ex-slaves versus whites, by giving limited choice in employment and strict labor contracts, permission required from employers for individuals who are black, melanated beings, to sell farm produce. They were banned in states with black codes. They were banned from bearing arms. Orphans were placed into forced apprenticeships, sounds a lot like slavery to me, and preventing freedom to vote or serve on juries by any of the melanated beings, the freed slaves in the southern states that did implement the black codes. Bloomberg's mission of extreme gun control threatens the safety of all law-abiding citizens, regardless of race. The heaviest impact, though, would be those who live in high-crime areas and are left without any means of self-defense, many of whom are minorities. So the inception of gun control uh, was based in racism, and the effects to this day have implications for minorities. Well, no matter who you are, if you have children, 
And you occasionally take them to school, or as we did when our kids were growing up, they went to private school, and so we we didn't have bus service, so we drove them to school every single day. Let's say that your agenda for the day was to drop off your child at school, head to town to run some errands, and withdraw some cash for the upcoming weekend. Great. Well, if you have a license to carry a concealed weapon... You ought to know that a big key to carrying a concealed weapon is to carry a concealed weapon regularly. It's something that you do. You put on your pants, you put your wallet in your pocket, and you holster your weapon. You always have it with you. You don't leave home without it. You always want to have it and be prepared to use it if you're presented with the need to use it. It's better to have it, as we always say, than and need it than to need it and not have it. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And, of course, you never know when you're going to need it. It's not something predictable. If you're going somewhere where you know you're going to need it, here's a great self-defense tip. Don't go there. But we carry because you truly never know when some violent attack is going to take place and you are the sole means of defense. Well, in most states, if you're a parent that that part of your morning agenda or afternoon agenda is to pick up or drop off your kids at school, in most states, it is illegal to legally carry a firearm in a school zone. Okay, pardon the conundrum, but it is kind of a paradox for it to be illegal to carry an otherwise legal firearm. This presents a problem or two. Of course, one is that legally owned and carried guns are not a danger to our students at school or anyone anywhere else. It's actually where teachers and staff are allowed to carry firearms that the school shootings are non-existent. I didn't say virtually non-existent. I didn't say almost non-existent. I said non-existent. And that's based on statistics. The second problem is that busy parents that leave the house in the morning with more than one agenda item would have to leave home unarmed if one of those Uh, One of those items involved picking up or dropping off their children at school. Well, in Iowa, some astute legislators want to amend their state constitution to allow parents to carry while picking up and dropping off their students at school. So they're not saying parents can come into the school and wander around armed, although I'd be fine with that as long as everything's legal. They're just saying you can drive up to the door, drop your kid off, or pick your kid up and drive away. Have your legal, legal carried firearm in the car with you on your person, no problem. So Iowa wants to make that legal, and they have to change their constitution in order to do that, apparently. The bill has already passed the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday. That's one week ago from today, which is President's Day. So I say, good for you, Iowa. You're actually moving your state in the right direction way to be. Of course, there are opponents to this movement who have been the uh, Iowa State Constitution for pick-up and drop-off areas for schools. And, uh, you know, a quote that we just see over and over and over again. This quote is particularly uh, in context here with uh, what's going on in Iowa. Someone told the news media, we are trying to make sure that common sense gun safety has a place in Iowa. So we, the gun control people who are opposing this uh, this amendment to the Constitution, say we're trying to make sure that common sense gun safety has a place in Iowa. 
Well, you should know by now that common sense in this context means if you don't agree with with us, you are a stupid, reckless redneck dropping off your kids to school between beer binges. And gun safety means only the government should have guns and their primary use should be to force you to comply with their common sense gun control. It is it is hard to be polite and civil if you really look at the meaning of statements like we're trying to make common sense gun safety uh, that has a place in our state. It's hard not to be offended by that. And, and it is. It is offensive. You, you are being talked down to. You are being degraded by this person who says, if you don't agree with me, you just don't make sense. And actually, if we use logic, logic and common sense would actually dictate that individuals based on doing illegal and wicked things with their guns are not likely to be stopped by laws that make it illegal to bring guns to do illegal things. They're going to do that anyway. Good people wishing to be prepared and defend self and family are likely to be the only ones to obey those illogical gun laws, thus rendered defenseless when wickedness comes to prey on them or their children. This is a point that's coming up. I'm I'm in the uh, final stages, just a few pages left to read uh, Nikki Goser's book called Stalked and Defenseless. The subtitle is How Gun Control Helped My Stalker Murder My Husband in Front of Me. And she makes the point over and over again. People who are bent on killing with their guns aren't really concerned with complying with the law. It's only the good people that comply with laws in general uh, that are put at a disadvantage. And then the, the wicked come and they just have their way. They're unopposed. All right. Well, guns are routinely used to defend more than they are to commit crime. Believe it or not, uh, we've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again and, and cite actual statistics in the future. But guns are routinely used to defend more than to commit crime. There is a, uh, a, a story which I have headlined here in my notes called Heavily Armed Prego. One of my daughters is currently pregnant and this, uh, this headline attracted my attention right away. One night late last year, this is uh, another, another story out of Florida. Uh, one night late last year, the King family household received a visit from a couple of unwelcome guests. Around 9 p.m., masked, masked men broke into their home and demanded money. One of the men aimed his gun at the man of the house, Jeremy King, and grabbed his 11-year-old daughter. Well, Mr. King said, hey, I don't have anything to give you. The men proceeded to pistol whip him and kick him in the head. And this was some serious assault going on. Uh, upon hearing the commotion, Mrs. King, who was eight months pregnant, Apparently she was in her bedroom as if I was eight months pregnant, I would want to be too at nine o'clock at night based on, you know, things that I've heard from my wife several times and my daughters. Uh, she heard the commotion, opened the door to her bedroom to see what was going on. Could you imagine that, ladies? Open the door to the bedroom to see what's going on. Oh, there's two strange masked men in your kitchen beating the living daylights out of your husband and holding on to your daughter. Okay, just another day in the life, right? Well, one man, when he saw her emerge from her bedroom, shot at her. Thankfully, he was not a good shot. He missed her. Mrs. King went back into the bedroom and returned 
with the family's AR-15. Yeah, you know, the one that only is bent on uh, evil. She came back, returned with her AR-15, and she fired one shot that struck one of the intruders. The men immediately fled the home in retreat. The man struck by the shot from Mrs. King died in a ditch about 200 feet from their home. The other guy just kept running, and at the uh, last report, or the last reading of that story, uh, he was uh, still being hunted by the police this time, not by Mrs. King, fortunately for him. As I don't think the police would, uh, <laughs> I don't think the police would be quite as decisive as Mrs. King. So, uh, Mr. King, as a result of all this, received a concussion, a fractured eye socket, a fractured sinus cavity, and required 20 stitches and three staples in his head as a result of the injuries of uh, these intruders. The King's daughter apparently had no reported injuries. Um, who knows how well she's dealing with the trauma of all this happening. I'm sure that has uh, a significant effect. Mr. King, when interviewed after all this, he said, them guys came in with two normal pistols and my AR stopped it, King said. My wife uh, evened the playing field and kept them from killing me. Well, good for you, Mrs. King, for being prepared, knowing where that firearm was, knowing how to use it, being a good shot, and being able to act decisively when you saw your family was uh, under extreme threat. So kudos to the King family. These stories abound on the internet, folks. These guns in the hands of lawful citizens stop more crime than crimes are committed with guns. I believe the statistic, it's a little bit fuzzy, but the statistic uh, is around 6,500 times a day nationwide that guns are used to stop crime and that's just the times that we know of so good for you for defending your family with a firearm even the dreaded ar-15 i look forward to seeing you all or listening to no i won't be listening to you i won't be seeing you i'm having a sensory uh, distinguishing problem i am looking forward to talking with you next time please feel free to email me at safe shooter at aks fi.com <laughs> had a Joe Biden moment there safe shooter at aksfi.com let me know what you think about the show if you'd like to hear me talk about anything that'd be wonderful please share this show with anybody that you know that may be interesting <laughs> or interested you know it's a uh, what can you say I'm only human looking forward to next time folks episode 9 coming up bye this has been Attitude, Knowledge, and Skill, the podcast outreach of AKS Firearms Instruction. Find us on the net at aksfi.com and AKS Firearms Instruction on Facebook. Go to the show notes for links to streaming services that carry this podcast, and please consider subscribing. Thank you for listening. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed.